In this episode of Tim Talk, a conversation with Dr. Salapiri Akobo about white fragility. Thank you for joining us for Tim Talk. I'm Tim Dentry, President and CEO of Northern Light Health. Through this podcast, we hope to break down barriers, embrace diversity, and focus on issues of social justice and medical justice. We want to come up with solutions by tapping into the many voices of diversity that comprise our healthcare system. This podcast provides a forum for our guests to ask questions of me and for me to ask questions of them. Our goal is to create a collective understanding of the issues that exist and find a better path forward. I'm joined now by Dr. Salapiri Akobo, a hospitalist with Northern Light Air Gould Hospital in Presque Isle. Thank you for joining me here today, Dr. Okobo. I'm glad to be here, Mr. Dentry. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Dr. Okobo, I've been reading and listening a lot since we began these discussions regarding social and medical justice a few weeks ago. One book was referred to me by a pediatrician in Ellsworth and also by my dear daughter, Emily, a social worker in Washington, DC. The book is titled White Fragility. It poses the premise that it is hard for white people to talk about racism, noting it is extremely difficult for a person of color to discuss painful and personal experiences in a group setting other than with his or her community. Most white persons, other than the extreme, will virtually never admit to having any racist tendencies, so one should not ask or expect people of color to lead the way or provide solutions. White people hold the problem, so goes the premise, and must work towards a solution. Further, and I quote from this book, giving us white people feedback on our racism is risky for people of color, so we can consider feedback a sign of trust. So my questions are twofold. First, do you agree with the premise that people like me should not be so bent on hearing and learning from people of color and following their lead for the reasons that I just expressed? Thanks once again, Mr. Dumtree, for uh, this conversation and also for your willingness to listen. In answer to your question, I'm also going to throw this out that I am speaking from my lived experiences and maybe some experiences of my friends and family members, but not necessarily as an authority on uh, Black and uh, Indigenous people of of color um, race issues. That being said, um, I think that when you think about um, the question, it is important to note that people in general on on there are different places or points on the continuum of readiness to discuss race issues. And this actually stems from how much digging into these um, issues can be a trigger. The reason being that for a lot of people, their realities and their experiences might not be palatable. And so when these things have to come out and when they have to talk about it, it could be pretty painful. So when you think of it that way, I think it then, if we're trying to buy into the premise of the book, um, behooves uh, Caucasians or white people um, who are friends, um, our colleagues, you know, our allies and, and progressives in general to literally do the work at least try, you know, start somewhere, work on yourself, try to work on some of the points that D'Angelo did talk about in the book, you know, whether it's the moral binary, trying to make a decision on what to define or how to define the issue, the umbrage that comes with some of it, 
um, and also just in general, the guilt maybe, and borrowing the word she used, maybe the fragility. In doing that, then people are at a place where they're ready to have the conversation. Because what we've noticed is if these conversations are had prematurely, um, they kind of sometimes can lead to the breakdown of the already existing relationships. Um, and so I think that doing the work ahead of time is, is, is important. But then I would also want to add that um, people shouldn't stop in just reading the Angelos book, which I think is great, by the way, but they should actually do more. There's so many other books out there that I've been reading by Black and other minorities on this very issue. And I think that reading those books can actually add to the discourse. And I kind of like can give you, um, or actually throw out a couple of uh, options, uh, some of these books that I think are great. Um, I think a book that was written by Ibram Kendi, How to Be an Anti-Racist. And then there's also So You Want to Talk About Race by Ijoma Oluo. And uh, Dr. Connor West, who a lot of people know, um, also has a great book called Race Matters. And then um, I think there's also another one called Race Talk uh, by Daryl Wing Su. I think these books can also give a lot of insight. And I think even in D'Angelo's book, she actually, some of the topics and some of the important points that we're discussing, some of these books I just threw out. That's terrific, Dr. Kobo. And I, I loved so much of what you just shared. And some of the things I jotted down are, you know, start somewhere work on yourself and make oneself ready to have the conversation. Those are really powerful thoughts and thank you for those references to those books. We're keeping a, a list of, uh, we're developing a library and so we'll make sure they are in the library. You know, I've also learned um, that I should engage not only my colleagues of color, but really based on what you and I were just talking about, but also white persons. So I've heard many stories of subtle and blatantly hurtful acts inflicted on others. I heard the word micro-insensitivities for the first time the other day, and it just really clicked a lot in my thinking. And, you know, it refers to words, phrases, body language, etc., that maybe seem inconsequential to one party, but can be very hurtful to the receiver, to the recipient. What would you like to say to those who send out micro-insensitivities but really think they have nothing to change? When I think of this question, I, two thoughts come to mind, intention versus impact. I think it behooves us to think of what impact we're having on the people who we're relating with and people on the receiving end, regardless of what our intent is. And when I think of that um, as a black um, woman or just a one who's actually lived some of these things, I think of my experiences as a on a daily or on a regular. And people like me, or, you know, and by that I mean black people and, uh, you know, indig indigenous people of co uh, color and many other minorities. From when we leave our houses every day to literally when we get back, there is always reminders. There are these little things that keep telling you or reminding you of, of, of the systems that exist, right? Uh, whether it's you, literally walking in a grocery store, you like at the gas station trying to get gas, you know, you're constantly reminded of some of these little things. And one analogy that I can think of is the fact that you have a little sore in your leg, a wound somewhere in your body, and maybe every hour, every second, someone just keeps putting in salt. Now, think of how painful that is. And it's like you, you never really have time to recover. And that's exactly how micro, micro insensitivities or 
or microaggressions can be in our daily lives. So it's like sometimes you can't run away from it. Sometimes it's even in your house, you know. It's it's the people you employ to do things for you. It's uh, the people you work with. It's it, it's so it's very extensive. So when you think of it in that way, these microaggressions or insensitivities, they're pretty hurtful to the people on the receiving end. And they have pretty long-term impact on the lives of these people, whether it's in the life expectancy. I think there were data that actually showed that a lot of uh, African-Americans by the time they're 25 years old um, already have shorter life, life expectancy, you know, when you compare it to other people. It, it's, it's really, you know, it, it, it impacts uh, the way that these people thrive and live their lives. So, so it's important. I think that's the way to think about it, intent versus, versus uh, impact. Thank you. That's that's really powerful. You know, those reminders, I really registered those words that you shared in my thinking. That is very true. And, and so many, you know, people, and I would include myself, maybe don't have that sensitivity that those kind of reminders are always there for a lot of other people. So thank you for that feedback. I want to take the opportunity now to hear what's foremost on your mind with regard to these issues. What would you like to ask me? So I'm going to say thank you again for this conversation. Before I ask the question, I'm also going to speak and say that I do understand that you have a pretty tough job because, you know, I feel like at least when we talk about this, like there's this intersectionality of you being a white male, but then you're also the CEO of this network. And so you have lots of responsibility. So I do understand that it puts you in, in quite a, there's a lot on your shoulders, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So that being said though, I know that Northern Light Health's mission statement talks about we make healthcare work for you. And just because I know that you're here and you're willing to listen, um, I'm trying to find out who are the you refer to in this statement. And then just based on the current climb, um, what are the people saying to you and other leaders in the system? Are you listening? Um, And are they welcome to share or continue to share their input? Great, great questions. First, on your first question, uh, who is the you in making healthcare work for you? You know, when it began, maybe it was a more comprehensive definition was considered, but the way we talked about it and tried to live it out was that making healthcare work for you meant the patients that we served and the families that we served. Then, though, so, you know, here's a year or so later, I found myself as an applicant for the chief executive officer position. And tomorrow will be the three-month mark of that time. But as I was going through my preparation and really trying to put in writing what, what is the, the mark I would like to leave on our organization, what, is, what would be the legacy that I would leave as a CEO, I really, and I have this in writing, I expanded it, that you would include the communities that we serve, so not just the patients that present themselves to your door or what have you, uh, but the communities that we're in, where we are really community treasures there. So the you is the communities, but secondly, all of our 12,000 colleagues, so everyone that is part of Northern Light. And that's why, to me, this was such a natural stand that we had to take for racial and social and medical justice issues. Because to me, it's about all three of those. It's about who we care for, the individual patients one at a time, within the context of the communities where we serve them. And we all have roles in the community that's not just you know, at work, 
or at home. You know, we're part of the community and we are all in this together. So we need to make sure that each and every person is totally valued and feels part of this family. Let's make it a family. You don't have a pecking order in a family. You have a family. And so I felt we needed to take a stand on this. So that's, that's number one of who the you is. It's all the above, all three of those. Secondly, you know, what, what are people saying uh, to me and others? Wow, first of all, we're just getting started. So I love it when I hear, you know, guidance and thoughts of make your work on yourself and, and, and prepare yourself for the conversation and keep that going. It is so true. But here's some examples of what I have heard. Predominantly, first and foremost, from everyone is thank you. Thank you for stepping into this. It's not easy. I'll hear from other uh, people that have family members in other health systems that are saying, I wish our leaders would take a stand on this. To examples that I would hear from a lot of individuals or doctors taking care of patients that hear from their patients, of just engaging in the conversation. We're hearing micro insensitivities and macro insensitivities, to be frank. So hearing a lot of those personal you know, it's in a personal context, and that's why I think we're going to sustain this because it's not some framework, some distant, you know, non-pulse kind of an issue. It's a very, it's a very heartfelt, it's a visceral issue with, with everyone, so let's work on that with a positive way. Really good advice, keep using this to unite us because in this um topic of discussion around the country, it's divisive and it's polarizing and it's not uniting. So Tim, use this, you know, authority that you have or this influence that you can have as the CEO to unite us. And um, so I'm really trying to see how we can do that. So other, so am I listening? Absolutely. I'm learning along the way for sure from people like you and others. Are people welcome to share their input? Absolutely. So that's why this was one idea that I have that I think there are many ways for people to share their ideas. This is one. We have big Zoom rooms, you know, that, are, that have a lot of people and, we're, and I'm making sure that every organization, every community, back to our definition of you, every community where we serve, we have, you know, we have chat rooms that are going on. Uh, Zoom rooms uh, to make sure that we're having receiving a lot of input. I'm going to have a steering committee uh, that's comprised of people from throughout the organization. So we're going to keep finding interesting ways to continue to and engage. I think that I touched on all of your questions. I believe now you did a great job, Mr. Dantry. Um, it's nice that you're having the conversation, and uh, it shows that you're willing to have the conversation. So thank you. I appreciate it. So um, in light of what you have said, um, I have uh, another question that actually ties into the fact that given that racism, um, be it institutionally um, and socially, is an overarching issue or problem around the, the country right now, what steps will be or are in place at Northern Light Health to help mitigate this issue? And then how do you think that the progress and impact of metric can we measure it with? 
Yeah, thank you. Great questions again. So uh, steps, first of all, it is exactly this and having the conversation, but it, it cannot end then. You know, one of the early on feedback that I received that really led my actions from there was, okay, we can tell you, you get it, you get the issue, you're, you are listening, but so what are you going to do about it? And so that's what we want to do. So um, first is engagement, awareness, dialogue. And I just let you know some of the examples of ways in which we're doing that. And so we're going to continue with those group dialogues and mark uh, community-specific dialogues, these kinds of engagements and that kind of thing. Second is let's, we're, we're taking a very close look at all of our, our policies and practices, hiring, recruitment, uh, performance reviews, what disciplinary factors are in place, you know, sort of code of conduct, making sure that it includes the way that we would show uh, sensitivity to, to each other and value each other. So that kind of review from a human resource point of view is really important. Training sessions, and I just think, you know, it, we're, we're identifying ways in which we can do this for all 12,000 staff, but it needs to, you know, be ongoing. It probably should be, you know, for groups as well that have a lot of affinity groups, you know, that work in certain units or what have you. And I think there's different ways to do that than someone goes online and does an e-training course. That's it, we've got to have more substance than that. So we're we're looking at substantive ways uh, to do that. I like you know one suggestion for example is that in. Uh, patient safety, and I'm a big advocate of that, and a lot of my training before I came to Northern Light was in quality and patient safety. And, you know, people talk patient safety, but most people felt, I already get patient safety. I already do that. Almost analogous, I mean, not identical by any stretch, but analogous to this topic. I, you know, I don't do that. that. Other people are doing those things. But we started sharing uh, patient stories of ways in which care might have slipped or maybe we didn't step up the way we could have or didn't coordinate and so we learned from that so we shared the story so we shared a lesson that we learned and I think uh, I've suggested to our team that we do the same kind of thing in the topic of uh, racial and social and medical justice let's tell a story of a um, an insensitivity that we heard or that people felt or experienced or expressed or, or even why someone feels like, well, we don't have an issue there, but let's point out something to maybe open up their minds. So we're doing those kinds of, of improvements as well. Um, clinical justice, I'm very interested in learning more about. So we have a new chief quality officer for Northern Light that will begin at the end of July, Navneet Marwaha. Dr. Marwa, and she came from our clinical affiliation with uh, Mass General. We've talked about this, and so how can we use, for example, the new Cerner system? We can do more harvesting of data and things of that nature. But let's start asking the question of where are we? We have no quantitative measure or understanding of where we would you know, approach that clinical justice and medical justice and, and access issues and things like that. So I really look forward to seeing what we can learn along those lines. The, the last example on those lines I would share is we're conducting right now a baseline survey. So it's not complicated. It's, it, it doesn't, you know, dig deep into uh, sociologic kind of metrics or things of that nature, but it gives us a good starting point, a good sense of where do we think we stand, you know, right now um, on this 
essential issue. And then we can track that over time. We can resurvey people and see if there are any improvements. So that's one answer to you know six months from now and a year from now to 10 years from now. The clinical health metrics will be able to track. And we're doing much of that right now, but not really that is specific to any one population, one group of our, our population. So uh, I absolutely believe we have Cerner and our informatics folks working on that are the ways that we can determine hemoglobin, you know, A1C uh, levels and, and those kinds of things. And the long-term perspective is really on retention and recruitment. So by doing this, do we, what is, uh, are we impacting our turnover of staff, especially uh, people of color and, and, and others in our organizations? Can we really take a look at that and see are less people leaving? Are more people joining? And hopefully it's the answer to, to um, the former question is no, uh, more people are staying and uh, we are actually an attracted organization because we, ha we are taking these stands and we are making this that kind of a healthy environment for everyone to raise their family and practice their profession. So I think that's, you know, we can always do more, but I think those are uh, the ways in which I would um, answer those great questions and I hope that um, struck a chord for you. That will wrap up this episode of Tim Talk. Dr. Okobo, again, thank you so much for joining me here to continue this conversation. It enriches this whole effort so much, and I learned so much. Thank you, Mr. Dentry. It was most definitely a pleasure. And thank you to our podcast listeners as well. And until next time, I'm Tim Dentry, encouraging you to listen and act to promote our culture of caring, diversity, and inclusion that starts with caring for one another. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tim Talk. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to learn more about this subject, you can find additional information at northernlighthealth.org slash podcast.